Yeah, I tried to steal the Pritchard cup, but security guards stopped me on my way out. Let's be honest. You're uh, wiry strong, but you can't pick up that trophy. No, I, Brandon French at one point is holding the trophy. And you're like, that wrist is not ready. And he's like, guys, 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 I have three ligaments in my wrist. Pick it up, pick it up, pick it up. Like he's about to <laughs> drop it on television. Fun fact, Pritchard Cup is very heavy. You tune in now to this pickleball life. I'm K-Dubs and Jilly B is my wife. She's the pro and I've got the filler. She's sweet to me, but I'm a court, she's a killer. Unadulterated and efficiently bringing you the best and worst things in PB. Tell your friends and stay for another. And no one loves us more than your mother. One thing's for sure, one hit and you're addicted. Grab a pile, grab a court, don't resist it. So click subscribe, let's go, let's get cracking. Things on done, let's go, let's get laughing. This Pickleball Life. All right, everybody, welcome to another episode of This Pickleball Life. I'm Kay Dubs. I'm your girl, Jilly B. And on this pod, we're going to talk about all things PB from health to wealth, and we spice it up with some occasional insider knowledge from our top 20 pro. But today will be a bit heavier on the pro pickleball side. Now, Rest easy, those of us, those of you who enjoy the fact that we are not 100% all about what happened at every pro tournament, you will still be learning a lot about how to succeed on the court and what you do off the court that you bring to the court with you to play your best. So stay with us, and those of you who are uh, loving the deep dive into pro pickleball, you are in for a treat. Um, but as a reminder, you will get alerted when our new episodes drop if you subscribe to Jilly B Pickleball on YouTube and hit that bell to make sure you are getting those notifications. Helps us, helps you stay tuned, and we appreciate all of you who have joined us and have stayed with us through all 12 episodes. But keep sharing, keep commenting. We've got some questions for you later that uh, we really want you to drop some comments in on. But um, but thanks again for, for helping us grow organically on our um, fully independent podcast here and uh, fully love grown here. Um, but today we have two weeks of pickleball to cover. We took a break last week um, with our back-to-back San Clemente events. So we had PPA and then MLP. If you've been living under a rock, now you know. And our girl Jilly B not only claimed the title, but also grabbed the MVP prize. Big congrats to you, Jill. I'm Thank so you. proud. I do feel very much like I won both of those prizes as well. Um, but basically, yeah. Well, you get to share. We're going in, to Margaritaville. Yeah, you get to share in 50% of all the proceeds and had 0% of the on-court work or sun or sweat. So uh, I'll trade I you know. any I day. I think at least 5% of the on-court work <laughs> and sweat. No, I think I get something. In all seriousness, being in your position is way more stressful. Like there is nothing worse than watching a loved one compete in a sport and you have no control over it and you're going to a dream breaker. Like I can only imagine how how hard it must have been for you and my sister and my mom who are having like anxiety attacks on the side of the court. No, I mean, it's fun stress. It's fun stress. Don't have too much okay, uh, empathy. empathy for me. Okay, I won't. But with that, let's delve into pod number 12. That could be the best one yet. Wow, thank you. It just, uh, just, it just came to be. Just like that. So uh, I'm going to take off my, uh, my DCP, DPC hat while we talk about the PPA for a minute. Um, but first off, we've been told for 
basically the past two years mm-hmm. that San Clemente Lifetime is the best mm-hmm. location in pickleball, the best venue. How did the, the venue live up to your expectations? Only rivaled by the other Lifetime in, uh, in Atlanta. That's so beautiful. Yeah, I mean, kudos to Lifetime. It made me want to join the San Clemente location for the few times a year I'm back home in Newport Beach visiting, which from a cost standpoint makes utterly no sense. But that's how compelling and beautiful Mm -hmm. that Lifetime is. Easy to navigate around. The courts were awesome. Everything was really centrally located. The food is great. All the staff are so friendly. Like, kudos to Lifetime. Um, this podcast is not sponsored by Lifetime, but both MLP and PPA are official partners of Lifetime. So I feel feel compelled. Lifetime, we are open to it. We are open to collaborating. I have been meaning to write someone there, actually. I have a couple friends. Um, but kudos to them for developing just a really cool like work culture. Again, you can tell everyone's happy for developing mm-hmm. just a incredible pickleball and tennis facilities and like I said the food's awesome and everything's like marble and granite and just gorgeous stone and um the members were all really cool like I can't I, believe you've skipped n- the most important part of any venue uh-oh uh, the bathrooms par- parking oh bathrooms are pristine <laughs> and even though I didn't get to use it there was a sauna and a jacuzzi but it was like That's nice true. for me to know I could you know it was there you know yeah. it's like it, it helped me not need it and warm yeah it it is interesting though I mean we know it Jill grew up in Orange County and I met her living there but you have this weird effect that they sometimes call marine layer they sometimes Mm -hmm. call June gloom they sometimes call May gray but like it can be actually cold at any point in the summer yeah so you got to wear all layers not for me I think growing up in Orange County first off that's my favorite climate to play in when it's that May gray June gloom so you have no sun it's a little damp um uh, it's just nice. Like you're not hot. You're not dying on no, the for court. Sure. For sure. And I'm just, I guess I'm accustomed to it. Even at night when we were playing till nine at night, nine 30 at night on Thursday and everyone was in like sweaters, I was totally fine, which is so weird because I'm always cold. So I think there was just an aspect of being in your hometown on your, you know, home yeah. courts that helps. Yeah. Well, we're going to dive into a part of, I think why that was, is that you played seven matches that day. <laughs> you didn't have a lot of rest time to get cold. It's a good point. The inflammation was at an all-time high. I wasn't going to get cold for like right, a week. Right. But well, that was your your Saturday. But to rewind back to um, PPA to the Benny New. No, no, no. I mean, in the Sarah match, you had seven matches. But in oh. the uh, mixed day, you played with Ben Newell, your future and mm-hmm. now past MLP teammate, mm-hmm. um, which was a good uh, getting to know you. Um, Benny knew if you don't already know was an add on because Brandon French had to have surgery on his wrist and didn't feel like he was ready to be at the same level that he played the last two events. So did, uh, did a solid for the team and bowed well, what's out funny soon about enough. Our, what's funny about the Ben Newell PPA that we played in right before MLP was I couldn't hit a ball. thought it was the worst pickleball I'd literally ever played. I was getting used to a new paddle. So Groovin has produced a thermoformed paddle called Movin that they just started taking pre-orders for. <laughs> um, and I was just getting used to just a much hotter face, a much softer face, despite being faster and hotter. It's not, it's not hard because it's a 16 millimeter. So um, I just couldn't hit a ball. Ben and I, and I, and I said to Ben, I went, I've never played this bad. Don't worry. You're going to have MLP Jill next week. <laughs> and boy, were you right. But what did you guys, other than feeling like you got, you know, a round out that you just... We're getting well, used sometimes to your paddle, I pray, but by, what? by the way, sometimes I pray for like the bad day before the good day, the bad day before the good day. Yeah. Cause I think how likely is it that I'm going to have like 
two awful weeks in a row or two really bad days in a row. So when I was playing competitive tennis, matches were on Saturdays, I would either um, not practice on Friday, just let my body rest, or just pray for an awful day. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that is, again, back to like mentally tough. You always feel like if I'm having a bad day now, that means I, yeah. I'm guaranteed not to tomorrow. Exactly. Statistically, yeah. I won't have two bad days in a yeah. row. Come on. And and I think it's the same in golf. It's like, oh, I hit that shot bad, but the next one's going to be great, obviously. Um, and obviously, uh, there's people who uh, who aren't capable of, of thinking of it that way. But um, but you did play in the mm-hmm. very first round against two up-and-coming mm-hmm. players that really impressed me, one yeah, of me which too. is on a um, – MLP team got herself on a MLP team Rihanna Valdez Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. who's playing with uh I think Orange County or at least Southern California guy Eric Pilate I think uh Mm -hmm. you pronounce his last name sorry if I'm wrong Um, I've been saying it like Perot like Hercule Perot Hercule any Agatha Christie fans out here (laughs) you know that Agatha Christie fans run deep they run deep. The, the the Venn diagram of this pickleball life and Agatha Christie are like an basically one. the same circle. <laughs> um, but yeah, anything else that that helped playing with Ben that one more day? Oh, I mean, it super helped. I mean, we're two singles players on a pickleball court. And I think for most of the time during MLP, we ended up playing like I formation, like literally. Yeah. <laughs> fastest man in pickleball. Yeah, he's the fastest person I've ever seen on a pickleball court. Skirt! Yeah, to- insert clip of Ben. <laughs> The fastest man from the baseline to the kitchen line, sliding into the kitchen. I learned a really interesting lesson playing with him that that day, which was just because your partner's driving doesn't mean you need to crash. So Ben's just more comfortable hitting a third shot drive. That always has meant to me, like, my job's to go up and clean it up. That was not working for us. And I think that's why we actually lost our, our very first match was just no communication on that drive and what I should do. And then I realized, like, oh, I should just stay back (laughs) like he's just setting up a really easy fifth and seventh for us um and that was really educational for me you don't have to you don't have to shake and bake every time someone's driving I feel like I honestly heard uh of all players a Ben Johns quote uh where he said a lot of times the point of a drive third is just to set up an easier drop fifth absolutely and that it's not just to win the point for yeah certain. it just felt like such a shame to me because his drives are so good but it just was not working with me shaking and baking so we yeah. we stayed back and were patient coming in and that helped the most during MLP awesome 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 so actually actually during MLP was... I ended up taking the majority of the thirds and just letting him go feast yeah yeah again correct me if I'm wrong but one of the advantages of having a lefty mm-hmm. on a mixed court Totally. He's just right there in the Everywhere. Like Everywhere at all times. Nothing is, is out of his reach because he's so fast. He can mm-hmm. explode and, you know, I don't know if it's still technically a Burt when you're at the baseline, but he's all over it. So that was fun to watch. And I really, um, yeah, we'll dive into to MLP more with Ben. But uh, then you played with Sarah mm-hmm. in women's the next day. And um, as you have many times this year, your second round, was Irina and Etta, but mm. uh, after that, you guys really, uh, really found There's something. There's two guarantees in life, that the days of the week end in Y, and that I will play Irina and Etta every second round of a PPA. <laughs> Those are the only two guarantees, and death and taxes. Wait, and there's one more guarantee, that you'll play Lucy and Matt in mixed. Correct, in the second in the round, second round yes, as well. Absolutely. Correct, yeah, correct. Yeah. Bet on it. When we get betting in pickleball, yeah, you can bet on that one. <laughs> bet on, what the, will bet be? on the draws. <laughs> Chill straw. <laughs> Um, but what, what, what did you and Sarah really, uh, figure out that unlocked some real synergy on the I, court? I think I had. You guys took down mm-hmm. some pretty big players, um, Leia and Tyra, Anna and Megan. Mm-hmm. 
Yep. So I think I had probably the most like mental breakthrough revelatory experience with Sarah at the PPA San Clemente. She really helped me resolve this issue that I've been going through that a lot of you watching at home have probably experienced. I know a lot of you have written in about this, which is why can't I close out a match? And there's been all these instances in the past three months since I've come back to pro pickleball and abandoned my corporate job uh, where I'll be, it'll be like 12-12, me and Andre Dayskew against Anna Bright and James Ignatowicz and can't close out. Uh, Tyra, Hurricane Tyra Black and I win the first game against Irina and Jesse, lose the second, and it's like eight all in the third and we lose. Um, Tyler Lung and I are up 8-3 in the third against Matt and Lucy, lose. What is this really evidence of? What <laughs> you remember the losses more than the uh, wins. that too? It's like how that you too. even can recall these things, like right on the tip of your tongue. Oh man, um, sad, sad truth of life. And I'm so we Sarah and I are up ten five in the first at the PPA San Clemente against Irene and Etta, and we lose that. Like we lose that first game twelve ten. That's statistically like pretty hard to do. Actually, you're up ten five, you're playing well, you're feeling good. So what's happening? And we did lose that game. Um, I think we lost 12-10. I'm sorry, we lost that match, 12-10. And then I think, don't quote me, 11-7. Uh, I'd have to go back and look. I think See? that sounds right. Yeah, 11-7 or 11. Yeah, I think 11-7. And Sarah, after the match, says to me, I think I know what your problem is. And I said, well, which one and how long, how much time do we have? <laughs> and she goes, no, you know, you start playing differently when we like get to like, you know, 10-5, 10-6, 10-7, when it's an important moment, have you ever considered telling yourself that the score is 0-0? And I was like, oh my gosh, she's totally right. I used to do that in tennis all the time. And in tennis, you can hide from the game score a lot because you don't have a referee screaming every point. Eight, four, two, yeah. nine, three, one. It's like, the score is constantly being screamed at you in pro pickleball, but you've got to play like it's zero, zero. And I think something had started happening to me in these really big moments where I started playing like more conservatively, not my aggressive self. Or then you tell yourself you're playing too conservatively, swing bigger. When none mm. of those things are the answer. The answer is play the game. It's play the zero, zero. Here. What got you here is going to get you there. And as soon as she said that to me after that match, we rolled. We rolled yeah. through the back draw. We beat Leia and Tyra. We beat uh, Anna Bright and Megan. Um, and unfortunately, we just ran out of gas at 9.30 at night. The day had started at 9 a.m. with Maggie and Mary. And kudos to them. They took fifth and we took sixth. But yeah, warmed I up with that. Mary and Maggie and finished at 9 p.m. with Mary and Maggie. So 9 a.m. warm up Mary and Maggie, 9, 9 p.m. finish Mary and Maggie. Warm down. <laughs> the full brasha sandwich. Anyway, I took that 0-0 me... zero, zero mentality into MLP, and I think that has been the most mentally impactful piece of advice anyone has given me on a court in a really long time. And my mom was mad at me when I told her, because she went, I've been telling Hi. you that on a tennis court since you were seven years old, Jill. I know. I mean, that used to happen to me all the time in skiing and golf, is my, my dad would t tell me something, and I'd be like, yeah, 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 yeah. And then my coach would say the same thing like a week later, and I'd be like, shit, my dad was right. <laughs> But uh, but let me ask you another question. If the refs in pickleball, instead of yelling 10-5-2, if they said 
Ten five two. Ten five deuce. Are you what asking you if they had it? an Australian accent? If it would uh, be less impactful? What are you asking? Well, that's how they say it in tennis, right? Thirty love deuce. I was just uh, just wondering if it's if it's the accent and the intonation that's bothering you, or just the the fact of the score being said. Oh man, no, nothing, nothing bothered me. That's, that's the thing. I didn't even realize the score was getting in my head Mm -hmm. and it is, which is also a testament to you because I don't think you think anything's bothering you until something like also in collegiate tennis, you don't have the ref announcing the score. Sorry. What you're, what you're referencing is like when you turn on ESPN and you're watching the finals of Wimbledon. You don't have scores until you get to No, 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 no. But you're right. To that point, if I did play college tennis and I did have someone screaming the score, uh, the uh, the ref every time, maybe that would be in my head. But your opponent is supposed to call the score. Oh, okay. But they're calling the the like fifteen thirty, fifteen forty. They're not calling like it's the three whole all. Thing. Yeah, the set score, I guess. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, even in nationals, they don't have refs with a mic for tennis. Interesting. Shows how much of a golfer I am. No clue. Um, so what does it take to do well in a PPA tournament compared to what it takes to, to do well in, in, P, in MLP? And we'll obviously dive into, uh, MLP more depth deep, deeply, but, but what is, um, in your mind of how to continue to succeed on the PPA? Well, that's generous. Continue to succeed on the PPA. I mean, I've had a continue bunch to improve, improve perhaps. Yeah. I've had a, a bunch of top 10 finishes, one opportunity to get to a semifinal, uh, but Sarah's paddle was was uh challenged challenged and we uh that that opportunity was not available um and then obviously this top six finish in a really deep large draw and field with Sarah felt really good um I think playing more getting more points will obviously result in better draws Mm-hmm. Uh, playing more consistently with a partner. Every time Sarah and I play together, we do learn something about each other. I'm playing a lot with Tyra Black as well this year. Um, and I just think reps, like so much of this is reps. A lot of um, our listeners write in, like, how do I get better in, in tournaments? It's like, you got to go play them or try and replicate that tournament feeling as much as possible. Mm-hmm. How would you replicate the tournament experience in practice? I think um, you could say let's post that score to Duper. You could play in a Duper Flex League, a Duper Waterfall, any type of local um, Duper tournament or event, whether at your club or in your city. But just something as simple as let's put these scores in really changes the complexion of a game, even for pros, yeah. pros during practice. Do you think anyone's doing that? I think gambling, like literally bet 20 bucks with your friends on the outcome now of a we're game. Talking. Yeah, you like that, yeah, Kristen? Yeah. I mean, I think that was always my dad's advice in golf. So. Yeah, bet. Like, Throwing it back. Happy Father's Day, by the way. Well, I think <laughs> if you go out and you play rec play and you put nothing on the line, like you kind of wasted an opportunity to replicate some type of tournament atmosphere and feel and yeah. push yourself to that next level. Yeah. I mean, we kind of talked about it earlier today with like whether you're playing for, for $60,000 or $20,000 or $1,000 or 100 bucks, like putting something on it gets the blood boiling in a way that I think is important. And then as far as to be successful in MLP, I mean, that's totally different, Um, really apples and oranges. I think the key to finding success in Major League Pickleball is is really simple. And it all starts with the basic fact that you're taking four individual contributors who grew up probably playing an individual sport like tennis, 
and you're asking them now to be on a team, collectively work together towards a common goal. And as team captain, I really had and have one job. That's to give every single player what they need. Now, did you hear what I didn't say? It's not what they want, it's what they need. And a perfect example of this is Daniel De La Rosa, the number one racquetball player in the world is on our team. And he was really flat the first two days. Super, super flat. He was not the DLR from Daytona who was flying around the court, hitting the ball so hard we couldn't even see it. And I talked to Brandon French about it before we went into our semifinals against DC. And I said, what are we going to do to get the old DLR back? And we agreed, like, we kind of needed to fire him up. And so I went up to him and I said, hey, Daniel, is it off season for racquetball for you right now? And he goes, yeah, how'd you know? And I go, because you look really out of shape and you're moving really slow. And he laughed, <laughs> but I could tell it kind of like got him. Got got him. him. Yeah. And Krista came up to me later, uh, who's on our team, Krista Getcheva, and said, you know, I think Daniel's really feeling what you said to him. I think you really need to tone it down. Um, I think that was too much. And, you know, what I didn't say to her is, well, it would have been too much for you. Like, you are someone who Brandon and I are going to give you a very different atmosphere. We're going to make sure you feel really supported, really confident. We're going to nickname you Goat Cheva, you know, greatest of all time. And every player needs something different. That's my point. And you have to be willing as captain to figure out what that is psychologically, deliver it to inspire the best performance, and know that that may mean that your needs are never being met yeah, or your wants or your desires. And you have to be okay with that and dig within yourself to figure out how to give yourself what you need. And I think as a team, we did a really good job of giving each other what we thought we all needed and supporting each other. Yeah, and in contrast, right, what it looked like uh, in Daytona, when you were giving Brandon what he needed, yeah, was a very different look, very different feel. Yeah, I and had so many people. Kudos to you for adapting to what Benny knew needs. I had a lot of people come up to me and say, like, you looked very different during MLP. Like, someone even said to me, oh, I think Jared from the kitchen was like, what's this nice Jill? I miss <laughs> the old Jill. And I think this MLP, I was ultra cool, calm, collected. Like if I were to use one word to describe how I felt it would be predatory. Like I literally felt like I was on the court hunting prey. Yeah. And to your point in Daytona, like Brandon played his best when I was antics and nutty and getting in people's faces and trash talking. And like, I liked this version a lot better. This like Ice, ice in the veins is how I mm -hmm, felt. I felt like mm -hmm. I was there to do a job and execute a job. Um, still laughing, still smiling, still complimentary of my opponents, still having fun. It's all a balance. I don't think you can be just one thing the whole yeah. time. Yeah, but I think you're, you're, the reason I always, uh, always like Predator Jill is it combines that want the ball, that laser focus, and that icy confidence. And it really is. But I, I also do think that some days, like you said, you know, you have like a bad day. And you're yeah, like, well, some tomorrow's going to be good. Stuff. Some days you just need different stuff. You need to bring a different side of yourself out. Um, and um, and uh, yeah, that's, that's part of what makes uh, the greatest players great is their ability to adapt. Every single day is different. And there will be days where I play and I do need that crazy antics, nutty, 
Jill, I'm sure there will. Like you just, you kind of don't know. You don't know until you get out there how to inspire the best performance in yourself and others. Yeah. yeah. And uh, to circle back, so PPA, you have the ability to pick your partner and kind of choose who you're on the field with, but less control in a way of, of who you have to go sure. up against. Where MLP, you know, obviously some players have more say than others in who's on their team, but you're sort of just plopped onto a team. You've got to give these theoretically strangers and acquaintances yeah. what they need without your own choice. Well, one of my favorite but questions. a little bit more like equality and like getting to play a lot of different opponents in the group play into the brackets. Well, one of my favorite questions to ask a new partner or new teammate is, can you tell me about a time that you felt your best and played your best? Can you describe what that mm. felt like? So instead of asking them like, hey, how do you play your best? What can I do to make sure um, that you play your best? I, I rather them tell me like, tell me like about a time. Memory. Yeah, tell yeah. me about a memory, a tournament you yeah. won, a person you played with. What did that feel like to you? Because sometimes people don't even realize what they need, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, and I think harnessing some of the experience from my previous life in the corporate world, having led as CEO 40-person teams, and then before that having led 20-person uh, commercial sales teams, you kind of just end up getting like a psychological knack for how to inspire and bring out the best in someone. And I think in MLP, the key to winning is you have to have as many people on a team that understand that as possible, who are, you know, the joke about relationships a good relationship is, um, or a relationship can't fail when each person is trying to give the other what they need. Yeah. Like that's kind of MLP to me. Like if everyone on the team. If 100% of my focus is, is on, helping you win yeah. and we're on a court together, we win. Exactly. So the more people you can get with that, I don't know if you want to call it like a team mindset or like need mindset, need for other mindset. I think that's how you win yeah. MLP. Yeah. So we'll circle circle back to uh, a little bit more of uh, how you succeeded at MLP in a minute, but let's take a quick break before we dive in and continue our MLP recap. I want to take this opportunity to tell you about our newest segment of the pod that we are about to add, and that is video review. I love this point for so many reasons because Emily apologizes halfway through and Ben's like, don't worry about it. And then you guys have incredible defense. I'm gonna play the point. Really nice, Ben's communicating like, let's go up. And then Ben gets a put away and goes at Fergus. So I'm gonna replay that one more time. So even though Fergus is a little bit of a sitting duck, the safer play is actually to keep going right in front of you at the person who's moving back on their heels and who's a little bit weaker. But we want to see your points. To submit your video for video review, send us an email at thispblife at gmail.com. Don't miss out on your opportunity to get some free advice from the one and only Jilly B. Okay, putting back my Dallas hat and ready to dive deep into what happened to you and with you and your whole team, the Dallas Pickleball Club at MLP San Clemente. What were your uh, on top overall umbrella thoughts? Dallas forever, baby. 
let's go. It was pretty cool. I got a text, not directly from Mark Cuban, but a screenshot of a text that involved John Isner and Mark Cuban. <laughs> and John and Mark were very fired up by the Dallas victory. I think I got like a, like a let's LFG from Mark and like amazing exclamation mark from John. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. I can't believe they missed the moment to name your team like the Sharks. Well, one funny, shark tanks. one funny thing, Dave, <laughs> Dave, Dallas. Dave wrote us, uh, Dave Fleming, goat of uh, general managers. If you don't know, he actually simultaneously GMs the Seattle Pioneers, who also won MLP and then took second in the, the Super so they Championship. Went one, two, and then two, one. Yep, yep, exactly. Uh, and then, yep, we got second in Daytona and then first, obviously, last week. So Dave says to us, hey, we have some ownership representation coming to the semifinals. You know, take a picture with them, meet them. Like, don't forget, you know. They're there. They're there. And so, of course, we all forget. I mean, there's no, like a- They a, weren't there. They, Were well, they? so afterwards, I'm like, oh my gosh, we totally forgot to go say hi to Todd and, and, and his family. Like, oh, oh my gosh, I cannot believe that. And Brandon's like, no, they they weren't there. And I'm like, where were they? <laughs> they got the times wrong and showed up a couple hours early, so watched some other matches. And then right when we got started, they left. <laughs> they had a tea time they couldn't miss. <laughs> I don't know if that's true. <laughs> Sorry, I made that up for the record. Um, but Sorry, yeah. I digress. I digress. Just giving some inside funny snippets of the uh, of the week. Totally. Um, was there anything else that you uh, you wanted to throw out there before I dive into my own agenda over here? No, no. Go ahead. Um, all right. So the MVP award, which as we were talking about this morning, you were kind of like worried, wondering, kind of apprehensive about while you were playing that last match. Then you realize it actually is completely determined before you even started playing. I had no idea MVP was determined the night before. <laughs> so I'm playing women's doubles. Like, I got to win this thing. I got to get thing. some point percentages. <laughs> but if we do look at the numbers, oh you had 10 games won and only two games lost, which as it's all I can would think happen, about, the two were losses. the first... And last, right? Oh my gosh! Uh, first and last? No, no, not no, no, last. no, no, no. What was what was the other what was the other um, game? So we lost. lost. We lost one mix? Our very first match, guys, of MLP, which is kind of like triple bogeying the first hole of a golf tournament. Um, but yeah, I think we had a match point in that. I know we were up like nineteen fifteen or, or something, which is a pretty big gap in rally scoring. And so, of course, like, yeah, all I can think about are my, my two losses. <laughs> but you know Classic. what? I learned a lot from them. Sorry to digress. Yeah. If, no. if we hadn't lost, if Chris and I hadn't lost that very first match, and I think this is an important lesson for everyone listening, because um, they say you don't lose, you you just learn, which I kind of hate that phrase, but there is some, you know, kiss of truth, a hint of truth to it. If Chris and I had not lost that first match, I would not have unlocked how I play my best with Krista because it had been so long since we've played together. I kind of forgot that I spend too much time watching what she's doing, like nervous about the ball she's about to hit. And I take my eyes off of the, the game that's happening in front of me, which I like to play a really like horse blinders forward, forward facing. facing. Like I don't like to actually track the ball as soon as it gets into my peripheral. Like a lot, like 90% of people track the ball the whole time. I'm kind of like Callie Smith, right? Like we keep our eyes super forward the whole time. 
And I wasn't doing that with Krista. And that's why like I kept getting surprised by some speed ups that I wouldn't normally miss. So I'm grateful for that loss. And then I'm grateful for the second loss later. And I can talk about why. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I know it's like every one of these, uh, questions and points can be digressed into seven more questions, but, um, bottom, bottom line, not only did you have, uh, a winning a percentage of, uh, 56% of points won in your actual doubles games, but you had a 72% dream breaker points won and coming off the heels of kind of getting your, I don't know. What's the phrase? Uh, clock cleaned, uh, by Absolutely. Ava Rad- Radzikowska in hitting like MLK. every line in Daytona. It was like, Oh wow. Dream breakers. We better pay attention. Um, and you really came out swinging. Yeah. I think I was tied for third in terms of overall percentage of points one in dream breakers. Um, I was first obviously for, for games one and percentage of doubles points one. Um, yeah, I was really pleased with my singles performance. I had not been really training singles at all. Like I think maybe for the past four weeks, if I was playing doubles once a week, I'd be like, let's play a couple singles points. But it's kind of like, I think it feels a lot like riding a bike to me, to be honest. And, um, I don't know if I was like nervous to play Yudit Castillo, who's a great player, probably like a, I don't know, top, top five singles yeah, player in the world. She's been getting some points off Hannah Lee. She's been in some finals. Yeah. I wasn't nervous. I was more like curious because mm-hmm. she's tiny. I'm like, I'm going to pass you <laughs> and I'm going to come in and I want to see what you can do. And, um, yeah, I think I only lost three or four points to her overall. Yeah. And she's a great player. Like I, I was pleased with my singles performance. No, totally. You showed up. You definitely looked solid. I felt calm. You looked confident. I felt and calm, super calm. People, for sure. if you're, yeah, if you're listening at home and you play singles or you ever are thinking about playing singles, like it's, there's this one fact that I had to remind our boys of in the first dream breaker against Orlando squeeze, they were like swinging out of their shoes, like trying to paint lines, missing their drives. And here's Daniel De La Rosa playing against Callan Dawson, who's not a doubles player, not a singles player, and he's missing ball after ball. And I finally said to Daniel, I'm like, make him play. What are you doing? Sit straight over the if net. If you need to just drive it directly to his chest over the net, get it over the net. Stop trying to paint lines. And then, of course, he wins, like, every single point against Callan after that. Yeah. So my, my point, if you're listening at home, is, like, singles is about making balls yeah and that's why that time I played Ava Radzikowska in Daytona like she just made seven incredible balls like she hit seven lines tip my hat to her but I made her play I made her make those shots yeah yeah totally so I did go into it with that same kind of mindset um and of course kudos to uh Pablo Krista and Christian who followed you in the stats um also Really solid, solid play. Um, it was interesting to look at the Dream Breaker stats for everyone um, because my team members were like 44, 47, 47, I think. Yeah. And then I'm 72, which makes sense because when I saw those, I was like, how did we win any Dream Breakers? Yeah. Uh, Daniel had 56, Ben had 38, and uh, Krista had 47. So, yeah, thanks for Daniel. You gave him that advice in time. <laughs> But oh, um, you know what? Those numbers were from before our last dream breaker against uh, DC. That makes sense. Oh, maybe. Yeah. 
I was going to say, you didn't play Dream Breaker in the finals, so I didn't add that. Um, but uh, which players that you played against impressed you the most this week? You know, there's been a lot of um, making fun of Sam Query, and I think he kind of leans into that on social media. Um, and then out of the other side of his mouth, wants to be on Premiere and make shirts that say, you know, Query for Premiere. And um, I hadn't seen he made shirts like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like which one is it do you think you're good or do you think you're bad <laughs> and so I was I was very very impressed with his game yeah he's good yeah. he's he's figuring it out yeah he's he's figured it out I I think um I think it's tough to be that that big that limmy that limmy that yeah. long uh in pickle like I'm not saying that's gonna hold him back or or not it's just it's gonna look different yeah you Not can look you like can, benny new <laughs> i think you can play those types of people um very differently deckle deckle bar another guy that's just very very long so i think um sam had good touch he didn't make many mistakes where he got himself in trouble was just trying to get too big and insert himself and i've been around the block once or twice so i just like would roll a backhand behind him like mm-hmm. kept hitting drives mm-hmm. to him we have to put together actually that video of me body bagging him four different times. At one okay, point, Brandon. On to do. At one point, Brandon French and I looked at each other after I drove a backhand and hit and hit Sam Query. Brandon French and I look at each other and say the exact same thing at the exact same time. He can't handle it. Like we didn't we didn't say it loud enough for Sam to hear, but like Brandon and I said it to each other. Yeah, um, that, was but, a, that was a throwback to Daytona. Daytona, yeah. Um, and then I was super impressed with uh, Rachel Retker. Yeah. So she has improved dramatically since um, Orlando. I thought she was like so calm. She's on Orlando. You mean Daytona? Oh, I'm so sorry. Since they Daytona. Are two different Florida cities. Since Daytona. <laughs> Thank you. But she just looked really calm, really in control of her game, like just very self possessed. And I remember playing yeah. her in Utah and being like, uh oh, like if she, if she learns how to not overswing, when she's at the net, like mm-hmm. we're, everyone's in trouble. And I knew in the very first point that we played them, or maybe it was the second point, uh, Bobby and Rachel were at the net. Chris and I were kind of lobbing, you know, uh, shots back. And Rachel was just handling them like, just, you know, barely touching them, middle of the court, making us play. And I was like, we're in trouble. <laughs> we're going to be in trouble. Amazing. And then, um, so cu- huge kudos to her. And then Stefan Auvern continues to be uh, just a total presence in challenger. Tough to play. That was my only other loss. Yeah, Again, I also learned, on DC. Yeah, also on DC. Learned a lot from that loss. We had, I think, a couple match points. And so as hungry and fiery as DC came out to beat us in the semifinals, we were also kind of hungry and fiery because we felt like we underperformed um, in uh, – in the quarterfinals against them brings me to another or not the quarters i'm sorry the last the last uh match of group play right so brings me to another uh question how much of the winning strategy in mlp is part of the coin toss choices Mm -hmm. and you guys specifically played dc twice against two different you played against two different men so the the mixed lineups changed who decided what which one was you guys i was fully prepared for revenge on Stefan and Shelby, that's also someone else I wanted to mention I thought has improved a lot. Shelby Bates looked um, looked really good. And uh, again, like more calm and cool and collected and just every tournament 
more and more like she belongs. And um, I was fully prepared to garner revenge on them. Like I wanted to play them again so badly because we had match point and lost the the night before. And they decided to throw a different lineup at us. And they put Sam and Yudi Castillo at us. And that was their choice. And I don't, I don't know why. Backfiring. Because you guys played the Dreambreaker in the pool, in the group play, right? And then it ended up that Ben and I were able to clinch it. Yeah. Um, but uh, another fact um, that the NML guys kind of noticed, the, uh, the bloggers, that you kind of bring the number one mixed team to any of the guys on your team and how much of a, an advantage is it to have kind of the A, B, the number one girl play with the number two guy and the number uh, one guy play with the number two girl? And why don't we see teams doing that more? That's interesting. You know, I hadn't actually realized that till reading the NML blog. And I was like, oh, wow, I think, yeah, I think they're, they're right or there's, some, there's something there. Um, I don't know why we don't see that more. And what was interesting about this MLP is – you could actually choose to reverse the gender doubles if you won the toss as well. So instead of putting women out, you could put men out. And there were a couple times where Daniel and Ben Newell had to play first. We didn't choose that. And they did not like that. Interesting. And so I think there's logic to teams who feel like their men's line is stronger that they should be able to put that out. Yeah. I appreciate that change. Well, one of the factors we talked about when I played minor league pickleball was who's going to be like fired up to play two games in a row versus who needs a rest. Mm-hmm. And maybe just in pros, like you don't care about that. But I do think there's a factor too. Like, did you just come off of a win or did you just come off of a loss and which inspires so, you more? So what's interesting about that is in our Brooklyn match where the boys lost, right? So the women won, the boys lost. Daniel walks off the court. And remember what I said? Daniel, a little upset, is the best Daniel. He walks off and goes, put me fucking out. Put me out right now. I want to go out right now. And then Brian and I look at each other. We go, okay. Okay. Like, <laughs> oh, sure. Like, we, even if we had a different plan for a di- different matchups, when Daniel says he wants to go out, Daniel gets to go out. So, yeah. again, give your, t- like, like, psychologically know your team. If they're going to play their best right after a loss, right after they played, and they're angry or they're feeling X, Y, Z, you got to listen to them. Even if you have a plan, like God laughs when we make plans. Yeah. Which was the one where you were like, oh, wow, we were really planning on the other thing, but okay. Wasn't that a grandstand match? That must have been the second DC. Yeah, there was a match where I was like totally ready. You were planning to play third. It was the second DC match. Yeah. It was the um, semifinals, but, and we were ready to go out as the females, and they put their men out, and that was smart. The men won. The, the DC men won. Then Chris and I went out, and we won. And then, mm-hmm. in the mixed, mm-hmm. Daniel wanted to play, mm-hmm. or Krista wanted to play, or something. Who, who knows? But anyway, it is an interesting thing, and it, obviously, you can go in circles about this, even watching other teams um, I think in the finals, you both super finals in a way were that way where you're like, oh, it looked like the team that got their way actually had it backfire. 
Correct. The choices they made, actually, then they went in 2-0. Well, at one point, Brandon was like, at one point, Brandon was like, Jill, you be the team captain. I've gotten the coin toss wrong (laughs) three times in a row. And I'm like, well, statistically, you should actually choose the exact same thing you chose before because the odds of that happening four times are pretty low. And then we had this like total philosophical debate on like, should we call heads or tails? And the 50-50 call. Can't remember what we did, but it did work out for us. <laughs> oh man, I'm sure a statistician could tell you that. Right. Some complicated formula for the coin toss. So Jill, you just came off the victory for your team and you got the MVP award at MLP. What do you think makes you or any player great at MLP? It's definitely a different type of player. I think under normal circumstances, you perform 15% better or 15% worse under pressure. Well, under the scrutiny of famous team owners, your coach, your GM, your fellow playing partners and your teammates, that pressure is going to be 20 to 25%, but you're going to perform better or worse in that MLP pressure cooker atmosphere. So you want to find players that thrive under pressure, but thrive in chaos, right? Like coin flip, react, gender first, wind's going this way. We're sending you out. No, you're going to play with this person. This person's injured, substitution, draft, right? Like there is a chaotic element. And I think that takes a certain type of person. I know for me, I've lived in startups. That's been my life for the past seven years, right? No, more than seven years. I've led 40-person companies, both as CEO and as someone who has managed large corporate sales teams. So you also need someone who has that mentality of, okay, we are in an individual sport, but now this is a collective mindset. So how do you inspire and bring out the best in your teammates? How do you give your teammates what they need, not what they want, but what they need to make them perform at their best. So I think if you can find that blend of person, right, that's going to thrive in the chaos, that's going to play on a team, even though it's an individual sport. Um, Outside of their individual needs. Yep. Outside of their individual needs and who's going to bring out the best in someone by kind of psychologically figuring out what do they need? Do they need a kick in the butt? Do they need a pat on the back? Do they need a confidence boost? What is it? And I think those are the key elements of an MLP player. Would you agree or disagree? Uh, Yeah, I think add into it also something about just like being able to um, act your way into feeling better. That energy, that on court, that ability to come back and never give up. That like the freeze is coming. We can do this. Yep. You've got this. I've got this. We've got this. Never give up. Okay, even we lost that point. You guys are going to win. We're here for you. This is where you're going to hit it. That 100%. It's the player coach that really also makes a big impact yep. in an MLP format where you're on the sidelines telling someone, yeah. hey, I'm watching you and them. It's hard when you're playing, yeah. right? But when you're able to watch from the bench, you can more easily help your teammates. Every time I walked on the court, well. every time I walked on the court, I would say to my partner, is there anywhere else in the world you would rather be than right here, right now? Because there's nowhere else I'd rather be or with anyone else than right here with you. Yeah. And that is the energy you need if you're going to play your best and bring out the best in your partners at MLP. Get in the trenches. Get in the trenches. Get your hands dirty. Let's go. Absolutely. 
so yeah, we'll we'll see what continues to uh, lead teams to to victory. But um, kudos to Irina; she somehow has it figured out. Go, baby! Keeps yeah. it keeps it coming. No kudos to her and the whole Mad Drops team for finding yeah. a synergy and an energy. Um, I uh, have always thought that the the teams that seem to do best tend to have two strong men or two strong women. Like they double down on one side or the other. Um, saw the Mashers do better this this week. They have Callie and Lucy. They uh, they got Matt on the team, which mm-hmm. obviously brought some of that uh, familiarity to Lucy's mixed game. But um, the Mad Drops were the number one duper team when I was still working for Duper before I left the the data. Uh, of uh, the, mm-hmm. the back of it so I thought it was funny that the commentators kept saying like oh this Cinderella story well it's like yeah Ben Johns was on the other team but on paper they were a stronger yeah. team um, and uh, and it's a I, team event I, I think the other thing um, that's really important playing a team event like this is I I would say to my partner every time before the point started like right when we were walking on court I'd, I'd look at Ben I'd look at Chris and go hey is there anywhere in the world that you would rather be right now than right here in this moment? And then I would say to them, there's nowhere else I'd rather be or with anyone else with whom I'd, I'd rather be. Like, I want to be here with you right now. Yeah. Let's, let's do this. And I remember asking a premier player who I think was having kind of a rough day. I was like, hey, you know, um, is there anywhere else you'd rather be right now? Like, this is pretty amazing. Like, here we are in San Clemente playing MLP. And he goes, yeah, I'd rather be on a beach in Mexico. <laughs> and, and, you know, and you know how much we talk about on this podcast, like, do your words and your actions control your feelings or do your feelings control your words and your actions? Totally, yeah. And you know how you I feel. Act your way into feeling better. Yeah, act your way into feeling better. And I felt like that was a loser mindset. And person had a horrible tournament yeah horrible MLP so to segue what did you physically do to stay feeling so good all week I feel like this is the least sore you have ever been and maybe this is just progressing into Jill is no longer going to get sore after playing pickleball because it's all you do knock on wood knock on wood but (laughs) I um, but I I would be lying if I said bandit, my pro band, elbow band didn't make just a massive, massive difference. In fact, it was helping so much that one match I forgot to put it on. And I think you could say like, oh, well, you must not need it that badly if you forgot it. And it was like, no, I can't believe I'm pain free right now. Yeah. And that's what this is capable of doing for your forearm. I've been suffering from an ulnar nerve issue. I've been suffering from like pickleball elbow, a little tendonitis in my forearm. Um, and it's been just totally life-saving so I think having that preemptive preemptive so much Mm -hmm. of it is preemptive um every day I did an eight minute cycle on a device called Beamer B-E-M-E-R that's supported by a bunch of pro pickleball players Tyson McGuffin in particular and it's a mat that you lay on that increases your blood circulation by up to 30 percent uh as uh as we heard it makes you have the blood circulation of a 21 year old (laughs) (laughs) does that Um, affect your drinking (laughs) (laughs) but truly i think that made a world of a difference and when i didn't do it on the finals day i felt like my hands were a lot slower and then the the beamer representative with whom i was speaking later was like, yeah, that's what we hear. If you get used to doing it and then you don't, you'll feel like your reaction time, your reaction speed's a little less. So 
I think from a recovery standpoint and a mental acuity and clarity standpoint, the Beamer helped a lot. And in fact, right now through July 10th, uh, they're pretty expensive devices, but they're over $1,000 off. So yeah. if that's something that you're interested in, Beamer has supported us quite a bit. You can uh, DM us on Instagram or make a comment in YouTube. Or um, but we this can pblife you. at gmail.com. You could email this pblife at gmail.com and we can hook you up with um, the coupon code and what you need to get that $1,000 off. Yeah. And um, what what what's cool about Beamer is you're progressively improving mm-hmm. your overall body, your, your circulation, your microcirculation, which is basically the capillaries um, pushing blood around versus the heart pushes the main arteries around. But yeah. those little tiny parts where all the blood hits your skin and your muscles are the really important part. And every time you use it, it keeps continuing to improve. It's not just like, okay, I'm sore. I'm down in the dips. It recovers. Yeah. I'm down in the, the pits. It recovers. It continues to ratchet up like a staircase. Right. Um, so I'm really excited to see how that um, improves throughout the year. And um, they even have it for, for horses and for animals. And it's it's really kind of cool. It's amazing. The stuff it really, really is amazing. It all um, comes back to blood. I mean, blood is through your whole body. And blood helps yep. things filter, helps things move, helps things. It, it also helps you if you're dealing with just a wide array of, of uh, health ailments. Mm-hmm. You know, there's off-brand uses for everything. I'm not an expert, so I don't want to go into what those are. But this is, you know... Any, any health ailment that could be improved by an increase in blood circulation, which I think is all ailments, uh, yeah. should then use the, you guys should use the Beamer for that. And um, the other thing I did was I kept seeing Dr. Cynthia Beccaro. Uh, if you're not following Dr. C, I think every podcast we say you should be following Dr. C. She is the pickleball doctor. She was giving me like huge neck and back and hip adjustments, like literally right before I'd gone court. That doesn't bother me at all. In fact, I think it really, really helps. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe I'm a weirdo about that, but uh, no, I think it all comes back to preemptive. You know, like keep doing what's what's working. It doesn't have to be that you're in pain to go see right seek help. And right. A lot of what she's doing is um, is not so much like uh, adjusting an, an issue, but making sure that you're in your best form um, and you've got the K tape on the back to keep everything at one point I did have so much KT and Healy tape on that I felt like I was taped together and I got a lot of questions (laughs) about like oh what's your injury I'm like nothing like this is called preventative like I'm listening to my body if I feel a little it's my exoskeleton yeah (laughs) (laughs) I'm gonna start calling you spider woman Uh, I've been been called worse (laughs) yes so thanks again to Dr. C um, yeah, thank you so much. But the, the other thing I noticed was uh, your attitude definitely seemed different. I mean, mm-hmm. we talked about predator mode, predator um, mode, and, ice and giving your team right what they needed. But um, what what felt calmer for you here? Is it something you can pinpoint? I think ultimately just being more confident. Like I went on the court and I felt like go to work, do your job. Yeah. Like a day at the office. Yeah. Like I just need a 70% day to be. Yeah. You know, know, better better than 50%. If you're listening. Yeah. If you're listening and you play golf and we talk about this a lot on, on our podcast, Kristen, it's like people go out and they pray for a good day. They're like, I just really want to play well today. I need a good day. I want to beat my friends. I want to win this bet. I just need to have a good day. I want to wake up and just get lucky with a good day. And I think I maybe used to feel a little bit that way in my pickleball game. And now I'm just like, just go to work. Like my, yeah, just my have a normal day. Have a normal day. Like 
we talk about what's the difference between a premier player and a challenger player. And something that one of my teammates kept saying, uh, Chris is, you know, like she wants to get better. She wants to raise her, her ceiling. And for me, it's like, no, I think you need to raise your floor. Like totally. at this point, challenger players all have a lot of the skills of premier, not all of them, but probably the majority. We all have forehands. We all have backhands. It's like Anna Bright talked about on her podcast. It yeah. comes down to like decision-making. And what I would add to that decision-making is raise your worst days floor. Can you get your floor as close to your ceiling as possible? And that is the difference between challenger yeah. and premier to me is the floor height. Absolutely. I was just giving a golf lesson this morning and I say this in almost every lesson. Golf is not a game of how good your best shot is. It's a game of how good your worst shot is. And once you get to a place in your golf game where your bad drive is just like a foot into the rough and your bad putt is on the high side, one foot past the hole, yeah. like, you know, those misses are going to result in birdies and pars. So and in pickleball, you've got to make balls. You've got to get your thirds in. Maybe yep. they're a little high. Maybe they're, uh, you know, something you're going to have to defend. But, but you're going to find a way to get you're it over the net. Put your body in the position to get the ball over the net and keep fighting and give yourself your chance. And I know we're not going to talk about the draft, you know, there's another draft in just three short weeks coming up. Um, I think you said earlier, the challenger team flipped premier, premier flipped challenger, and there's a full new draft. Um, and those drafting for premier have to be careful that, especially with the women they pick up, cause there's so few women, much fewer than men, that those women have really high floors because there is no dropping there's no ad drop in right. premier you can right. trade but who's going to want to trade for a female that's not that's not cutting mustard yeah and there were only three teams uh going into this week that hadn't changed their lineup at all and then one of them was the bay area so only two teams went through the entire challenger without dropping anyone um, and bay area did have a substitution or putting anyone on waiver, as uh, MLP mm -hmm. likes to say. But yeah, so there was a lot of switch around in the challenger, which mm -hmm. um, the premier players are, are locked in unless you trade. You can trade within premier or someone gets injured, which we saw, I think, uh, four or five players yeah. have to drop out of one yeah. event. So Well, I think it's just, really it's just so there. easy to talk about, like upside, upside, upside. This person has so much upside. I actually think it's it's yeah. it's it's that's great that they have upside, but where is their floor right now? Yeah. Right now, like right in this moment. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, um, and I'm so glad that you did decide to join challenger in the mid season. Cause like, obviously there was a world in which you could have just waited for this next draft sure. and, and rolled the dice and, and hope to get on premiere. But obviously I love MLP you, too you much to, to play wait. so much and, and <laughs> you got to show up. It's such a gift show how consistent and a joy to play and just thank you to everyone at MLP. Yeah, for building this, creating these opportunities for players. I mean, let's the economics are are really amazing for MLP. So like I won, and I won I think seventy five hundred dollars when you look at my appearance fee and then the prize money and then those two numbers get doubled because I'm a PPA gold card holder. So um, I'll get my expenses hopefully reimbursed. So walk away with you know close to ten thousand dollars from this. Um, now, if I were in Premier, those numbers are what, two and a half X? 
25, 30 throwing grand. out the super final, just saying yeah. regular one event. Yeah. It is financially very, very different at the uh, premier level. Yeah, it's like 10 doubled plus if you got MVP. I don't know. Oh, no, I guess that's just the, the Margaritaville prize, so that's not a monetary value. But, yeah. So, yeah, it definitely is a huge difference monetarily. But, um, but you know. Would there any place you'd rather be? No, no, of course. Absolutely. No, I'm not complaining about the no, prize money. No, I, I was saying that. Mentioning the prize like... money because I think we have a lot of people always interested in like, I told you like I met, uh, met a gentleman the other day and he's like, you play pro pickleball, you make any money doing that? So mm-hmm. I'm not like shy of sharing facts and figures and numbers and a lot of this is just publicly available as well. Yeah, totally. Um, so what was your favorite memory this week? Oh, wow. I think my favorite memory was when it was all over and you came on the court and we had a little twirl. It was a good twirl. It was a twirl. You're strong. (laughs) I was amped up. (laughs) I think my other favorite memory was my sister, Natalie, was there. She likes to call herself the, the prettier and better at pickleball sister. I think neither of those are true. Or the world is being deprived of Natalie's pickleball. We have a fun banter. She came, and it's really nice to have family like that in the stands because then when you're angry, you look at them and you give them, like, the death stare. Like, there's a level of abuse that I won't give Kristen that, like, I wish I could because I'm so used to, like, growing up and my mom would be watching me play tennis or my sister, and there's, like, this really emotional connection where you can, like, want to just take all of your angst and anger and, like, Put it on the person watching you. Yeah. Not like like receive them and deal with it for you. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then my mom growing up would always like point to her cheekbone and go smile. And so it's like the last thing you want to see when you're really angry is your Mm -hmm, mom looking mm -hmm. at you telling you to smile. But she's always right. So it was just fun to like have my sister there and give her like dirty looks and then give her smiles. And like we ran into each other's arms at the end of one of the the matches. So just doing it in front of like hometown crowd was, was so special. Totally. No, I'm glad they made it. And that was, it was great that, you know, your mom moved heaven and earth, uh, reschedule a bunch of doctor's appointments to and, be there. And, and, and I do was... think too, like, so special to see just the team do it. Like Daniel De La Rosa wasn't picked up in the first event mm-hmm. and Ben Newell was inconceivably dropped from the Atlanta bouncers. And here they both are winning. And yeah. it's like, that's what's also so fun about MLP is it's like a little bit of a game within a game. Like it's like golf where they say the bet is won or lost on the first hole before you tee off. Mm-hmm. I think MLP's won or lost in the draft. It definitely looks that way a lot of times. And uh, not to, again, get too deep into the weeds, but I think every season you can look at like one third or fourth round pick that really was like the sneak into the team pick that made the difference um and uh and we'll see who that who that next uh sneaky pick may be in the next draft but um we definitely had a lot to cover um do you yeah. want to try and squeeze in one jilly b of course give me a dear jilly b question okay um this is a, a little bit of a long question, but uh, the crux of which is about paddles 
And she, uh, this, this question comes from another Cynthia, not Dr. Cynthia, but, uh, she says she keeps noticing all of these carbon fiber paddles and you can kind of get lost in what we like to joke is black paddle phenomena, BPP. but <laughs> there are tons. And a lot of the videos you see, um, you seem to like uh, legacy pros one you haven't tried, but other than that, why do you see so many of these carbon fiber paddles out there and they're popular with amateurs, but you don't see the pros playing them? Is it just that they don't are, they're not regarded as highly or is it simply a matter of money with companies not compensating players to play their equipment? It's Thanks a really and good luck. It's a really good question. Thank you for submitting it. So um, I do have a legacy pro paddle that I received at the PPA Atlanta from one of the founders and I uh, have tried it once. I will do a review on it. So you should see that soon. I think what you have to remember is a lot of these pros have been picked up by very established businesses like Yola, which has had a long-term, a long-time presence in ping pong. So they already have a marketing arm and operations arm, offices in multiple countries and continents around the world. They're developed businesses. Same thing with Selkirk. Um, very large, very successful uh, manufacturer he right here in America, in Idaho. So then you've got these legacy pros, these um, Vatics, and they're like one to two person companies. So they're not only are they working on the R&D components themselves of trying to build the best paddle they can build, they're also building a business, customer support, return policies, marketing, ops, finance. So it's like, you know, their capital is probably spread thin. They're going to reinvest every dollar back into the business. And if they're seeing money coming in from amateurs purchasing their paddles, well, that's the path of least resistance. They're seeing success there. They're bringing money in through that channel. So for them to go and divert funds, which they need, by the mm -hmm. way, to order more paddles, they need money to, like, you see all these companies that are sold out, right? Like Legacy took me like two months to get a paddle. Took them two months to get me a paddle. Six zero always sold out. Filth sold out all the time. They would order more paddles if they had more money. So they're in a constant game of, well, I'll order another thousand. I don't want to order five thousand. I don't want to be left holding the bag mm -hmm. on four thousand paddles that I paid for, but I, now I can't sell because USAP changed their rules or it's failing this this delamination issue. Or there's another new hot paddle on the market. Now no one wants us. So they're in this constant like game. They've got buckets and they have to choose yeah. where to put their money in these buckets. And pro players is not necessarily what? a first priority I, bucket. Exactly. So that, that's kind of, sorry, circuitous route. I'm tired from MLP is yes. Like the pro is the last bucket for a scrappy startup company who's seeing traction at the amateur level and trying right. to reinvest every single dollar into making sure Jessica doesn't have to wait seven weeks to get the paddle she wants. Right, right. That's where they're putting their money. Now, if With they the had one an exception that Volaire is started by a pro pickleball player as a uh, kind of partnership. But yeah, yeah there's So very if I were some of, of these paddle companies, I would be giving up small pieces of equity uh, with a lot of these up-and-coming or established pro players because I do think there's super value add to having them. Um, and I think that that's a really low-hanging fruit, but a lot of them don't want to do that. And, you know, kudos yeah. to them. They think they uh, they don't need it, and maybe they don't. Well, it's interesting, too, because, like, it's probably never, never going to get 
cheaper to get a pro to start using your product. It's only going to get more expensive. And don't forget a lot of these brands, Vatic and, um, you know, Legacy, they're, they're brand new. I mean, Yola has yeah. a year head start on them, which doesn't sound like a lot, but pickleball's dog years. Well, kudos to Carbon. Yep. Who's also kind of the exception to that rule started, uh, in our, uh, they've been around our hometown and mm-hmm. your hometown anyway. Um, but, uh, definitely with the backing of, uh, of a Hurley with the history of, uh, success in Ryan other, Hurley. Mm-hmm. other markets and other, uh, products. So yeah, I have it's a, tough. I have a dear Jilly B question. Okay. It's from Jilly B. This one's really important. It must be a goodie. Dear Jilly B. Last MLP, you had a history of falling on the court. How many times did you fall this MLP? Signed, Jilly B. (laughs) Best of luck, and thanks for listening. Zero. I fell zero times. How many times did Ben Newell fall? A few. (laughs) No, once. But he he definitely got back up and he won that point. Yes. The one I I remember. (laughs) No, if you ain't falling, you ain't trying. I think um, that, that head trauma... Uh, definitely increased it it. but um, it's interesting because I think you did have a history of being on your knees and um, doing some proposal Dave Villardo's and um, you know jiving ish rolling going for things and and getting back up and I feel like since it became such a thing after Daytona and then Dr. C was like you know it also might be like ankle mobility and strength this that and the other like I think it inspired in you a different uh, regimen, like mm-hmm. urgency in trying to stay on your feet than totally. maybe before. Totally. We'll never know. Um, but all in all, great fun. Great pickle. Thank you. Um, Thank you really so much. exciting stuff. People really enjoyed watching you. And congratulations and to congrats. Chicago Slice and Bay Area Breakers and LA Mad Drops and the New Jersey Fives, the Mashers. Um, ATX. And of course, Seattle Good. Pioneers. Like, oh my gosh, just such fun games kudos to all of the players kudos to mlp and congratulations to everyone yeah my favorite mlp moment was also when we twirled but outside of that watching lucy blow a kiss Kiss to hayden Hayden i texted her this morning and i was like lucy that was amazing i died uh and she wrote back that they have a they have a good on-court banter which which they really do Um, so next week super important super super important Chris and I want a trip to Margaritaville. There's three locations. We can go to Cancun, Maya Rivera, Mexico, or the Dominican Republic. We need to hear from you. Where should we go? Yes. Dominican, Mexico, or Mexico. That was the Most Valuable Player Award. Yeah, we're we're super (laughs) stoked on that. Yeah, leave us a comment. Tell us where we should go. It's Riviera Maya, Maya Maya Rivera. No way to know. No way to know. Anyway. You can listen back to the to the airplay, and um, and also a reminder: uh, we loved seeing all our fans in the Jilly B hats. If you want to get yourself a Jilly B hat, we're going to be making some special edition Jilly B hats with MVP on the side. Um, but head over to pbgods.com. You can use code PBLifers for ten percent off. And as always, please submit us questions. We love your questions. Keep them coming. This PBLife at gmail.com. See you next week. See you next week. Next week. Oh, next week we will be talking about is rally scoring the future. We're going to do a rally scoring deep dive. And in a perfect world, 
what does the event makeup look like? PPA, MLP, how many events should there be and where will they be? So be sure to tune in for that next week. But thanks again for tuning in and being a part of our journey. We out. This Pickleball Life is a Tomahawk production, 100% organic, self-made, and homegrown. Music by K-Dubs, editing by K-Dubs and Joey B. Check out pbgods.com and use code PBLIFERS for 10% off your next order. Do you have a question for Jilly B? Email us at thispblife at gmail.com to be included in future episodes. Don't forget to click subscribe. This Pickleball Life.